brought to you today by Dr. Pat Worldwide on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, and streaming at interfaithtalkradio.com. This is a dialogue on the expansion of interfaith understanding and our shared spiritual quest. We are a rabbi, a Muslim minister, and a Christian pastor. I am Rabbi Ted Falcon. I'm Brother Jamal Rahman. And I'm Pastor Don McKenzie. And we are here with you on a very special Labor Day with a very special guest in the studio, Father William Tracy, who can justifiably be called the grandfather of the interfaith dialogue in this city. And we will have the pleasure of sharing with him over this entire show and even at the end of the show, having him share some of the insights from his spiritual practice which might help you, our listeners, and all of us as we engage in our own personal spiritual quests. For those of you who notice the music at the beginning of our show, I'd just like to mention that we are playing from recordings of a group called Ancient Sounds, headed by Gary and Margot Letham, a wonderful group that can often be heard at churches and in concerts through the Seattle area and the Pacific Northwest. For those of you who want more information about our show or would like to enter into a deepening dialogue with us, there are two ways to do that. During the show, you're welcome to call 425-373-5527, 425-373-5527, and in Western Washington, 888-298-5569. Our engineer today is Tom Tiedemann, and he will be answering your phone calls when and if they arrive. The other way to interact with us, to find out more about each of us, our activities, to join in a conversation about the show itself, is to visit interfaithtalkradio.com. Our website is maintained by Shira Firestone. It's a great place to see pictures of the three of us as we look live, actually at the studio with earphones on and everything. So welcome to our show to get today. We encourage your participation as you see fit. And we welcome Father William Tracy to our studios. Welcome, Father Tracy. Thank you, Rabbi. <clears throat> so, Father Bill, uh, we're so thrilled that you're here. As Ped, Ted mentioned, you're a real pioneer in the question of uh, experience of interfaith dialogue and, and cooperation and so forth. You and Rabbi Levine together started a television program here in Seattle in 1960 called Challenge. It ran for 14 years on commercial television every week. It's just amazing to think of how that happened. I think the story of how it happened is so interesting. Would you share with our listeners how you got started? I suppose you can say <clears throat> that God writes with crooked lines. Uh, back in 1960, John F. Kennedy was seeking the presidency. He was Catholic. The one Catholic had uh, sought the pres presidency before Al Smith in 1928, and uh, he was defeated a great deal because of anti-Catholic sentiment. 
Some say it's older than racial prejudice in America. So in uh, 1960, um, <clears throat> efforts were made to use religion to divide the American people. And the person who really objected to that was Rabbi Levine, who has been born in, in uh, Russia and knew discrimination and prejudice so much from his childhood. So one day at a Rotary luncheon, he discussed it with um, William Warren, who is the manager of Como. And they agreed there should be a dialogue about these issues. That He was a Protestant, but he, he believed that it was wrong to use religion to attack another religion or a person of that faith. So he agreed to give a half hour of prime time on television, provided Rabbi could get a, uh, a Catholic representative and a Protestant speaker. So he went to the head of the Catholic Church at the time, Archbishop Connolly. We hadn't been noted as Catholics for having dialogue with uh, Protestants or Jews, for that matter. So the Archbishop was rather leery about it. He thought it would just be a thumping table, you know, and saying you're wrong and so on. So he, he didn't go along with the rabbi. So rabbi went back a second time with a load of anti-Catholic literature come to his desk. He said, this is what your people are getting. Don't you think you should answer it? And he said, okay. Uh, so he selected me to be the spokesperson for the Catholic faith. And you were a Catholic priest working in the offices of the Archbishop at the time. That's right, and yeah. so you became the point person for this That's uh, right. whole thing. And you had, um, as I recall, a succession of different Protestants. But you and Rabbi Levine were really the for constants. The, for the 14 years. Yeah. We did every program together. And, and, and then <clears throat> Camp Brotherhood happened. How did that well, about 1966, uh, we did a program, and Rabbi said to me one day without any notice whatsoever, um, what are you doing today? Well, you know, as a pastor yourself, that you never say nothing. So I said, well, a few things. He said, can you drive to, Camp Brother to uh, Mount Vernon with me? I said, what's going on in Mount Vernon? He said, I want to buy a farm. But I said, Rabbi, you know nothing about farming. He said, get into the car and I'll explain it to you. So very dutiful, he's my senior for 20 years, I got into the car. So on the way up to Mount Vernon, he said, you know, our young people are living in ghettos like they did 100 years ago. They don't know each other. They go out into the business world and to education, they still don't know each other. So he said, I want to buy this farm and make it possible for them to have their own building. Jews, Catholics, um, Presbyterians, and so on. But have some meetings for sports, for library, for discussion together. So will you support me? So, of course, I agreed. I thought it's exactly what we're trying to do on television. So out of that, we succeeded in getting friends, primarily to Rotary, to help us raise the, uh, we bought a 300-acre farm for $85,000. And so <clears throat> that's the start. Then we had no money to build it. So this is an interesting part of the program. Because the churches, 40 years ago, weren't ready for what we had to offer. So they, they gave different excuses that they couldn't expand. So we were left with this dream. And we're going to lose the property until we found a professor at the University of Washington, Professor Joyce in the School of Architecture, who was interested in what we're doing. So he asked the seniors in the architecture class of 1963, um, I think, 68, to if they would design a building and you would evaluate them on it. So 14 of them volunteered to put up a lodge for us and that's how we got started. So we're the product of the vision of the rabbi, number one, 
And I, well, I, the man I give really credit to is to William Warren, because without his donation, the TB time would never have got anywhere. And he was the head of Como He was at that the head time. manager at Como yeah. for 53 years. Wow. And so he, he supported the program wholeheartedly, supported us with Camp Brotherhood, and these students at the university. And incidentally, uh, they were up at Camp Brotherhood a few weeks ago. And I explained to them, they helped to save Camp Brotherhood. Something they didn't realize. Well, we were just doing something our professor asked us to do. So it's a question mm. of looking at the broad vision of what you do in life that's important. You know, the, 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 the story that you, those two things that you've just mentioned are so moving. And the difference between a rabbi walking into the offices of the diocese and having this vision and having to go back again and so forth. And then clearly the two of you became friends. And not just friends, though. Clearly, I mean, the, the story, the second story about going to see Camp Brotherhood, I mean, it's so compelling because he said, let's go. And you said, well, okay, let's go. And, and uh, you, it clearly revealed a relationship that transcended everything, practically. Well, one of the, the books that we wrote, <clears throat> Wild Branch of the Olive Tree, 1974, Rabbi ended one of the chapters saying, uh, this a providence so it shape our ends for a few of them how we will. I really believe that, that there was a, we were as different as night and day. We're different temperaments, different educational backgrounds and so on. But we, we, we met at a very deep level. As Rabbi used to say, deep calls unto deep from the Psalms. Right. And you know, it, it's so striking to all three of us that this television show went for 14 years on commercial television. Clearly there was a, a an incredible uh, deep response in in the community of Seattle to what you were doing and so forth. Yeah, I think you're right. We met a deep need in the community for uh, the program would continue. We did the program Sunday night from 6 to 6.30, which was prime time. Well, then we were told Sunday morning on the way to work, the Boeing engineers would say, what do you think what the rabbi said last night? What do you think what the priest said? So it opened the windows for people to carry on their own personal dialogue, which they felt before they weren't free to do. I know we're getting close to the break, uh, but just one quick question, if we have time, um, which would be, can you just say one little word about how your life changed because of all this experience? It, it did. It's given me, um, <clears throat> perhaps I can sum it up in, the, in a phrase that's on my literature and my uh, cards and so on, from a great pre-scientist, Théard de Chardin. The cry I hear in all of creation is, Lord, make us one. That has become the dominant team of my life. Thanks, Father Tracy. We are in conversation today with Father William Tracy, the grandfather of the Interfaith Dialogue in the Pacific Northwest. This is Interfaith Talk Radio. Please give our sponsors a listen because they allow us to share with you each week at this hour. It's called Bet Aleph Meditative Synagogue, and it's a spiritual community led by Rabbi Ted Falcon. I've been a seeker all my life, but I never expected to find meditation and spirituality in a Jewish context. Learn more about Rabbi Ted and Bet Aleph at jewishspiritualcommunity.com. That's jewishspiritualcommunity.com. Want to get out of the rat race and stay out? Let Mary Hendrickson, cash flow specialist from First Horizon Home Loans, show you how. 
Neri takes 27 years of successful banking and brokering and turns them into stepping stones that pave the way to your financial independence. All loans close for Dr. Pat Show listeners receive a $300 reduction in closing costs. Call Neri today at 425-576-2249 and begin your path to financial freedom. That's 425-576-2249. Do you suffer from stress, headaches, back pain, digestive pain, or other chronic problems? Allow Sue Woodward to help you realize the vitality and wholeness your body naturally wants to express using gentle, restorative methods. Sue invites you to call her at the Acupuncture and Healing Arts Clinic for a free consultation. 425-451-8129. That's 425-451-8129. Are you ready to kick your life up a notch? Tired of just surviving? The award-winning Dr. Pat Show, Talk Radio to Thrive By, is your way to living the life you want without regrets, without limitations. This empowering, inspirational show with dynamic host Dr. Pat Basile will leave you shouting, yes, I can. Dr. Pat is a master career and belief coach, dynamic seminar leader, and creator of Crust Busting. Listen to the Dr. Pat Show on AM 1150 KKNW, Monday through Friday, 11 to noon, and worldwide on www.thedrpatshow.com. Would you like one of the most rewarding sales jobs of your life? The Dr. Pat Show has rapidly grown into the number one radio show to thrive by. The Dr. Pat Show is hailed for its remarkable guests, sponsors with integrity, and amazing listeners. Dr. Pat is in search of a creative, self-starting, energetic person to join the marketing team. If you're interested in helping promote and sustain the Dr. Pat Show, please submit your resume to pat at thedrpatshow.com. Again, that's pat at thedrpatshow.com. This is your opportunity to make a difference in your community and the world. Following the herd is fine until they lead you off a cliff. Think for yourself. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. We're going to do the IM again. And you're back with Interfaith Talk Radio. On Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, streaming worldwide at interfaithtalkradio.com. You've joined us on a dialogue of interfaith understanding, an interfaith sharing of a spiritual quest. We are a rabbi, a Muslim minister, and a Christian pastor. I am Rabbi Ted Falcon. I'm Brother Jamal Rahman. And I'm Pastor Don McKenzie. And we are here today with Father William Tracy, the one of the deep teachers of interfaith tradition in the Pacific Northwest, and we are continuing our meeting with him. Uh, Father Tracy, first, first of all, let me tell you what a sincere joy it is to be in the same panel as you are. You know, there's a wonderful saying of Prophet Muhammad who said that the character of a wali, wali means friend of God, is based on nothing more than graciousness and generosity. So thank you for your graciousness and generosity. Thank you. My question to you is, given your vast experience on interfaith dialogue, interfaith interactions, what do you feel has changed over the years? I think uh, America has changed uh, from a European mentality. Christianity had been European-centered 
for years, and there was no dialogue, certainly not with Muslims, except the unfortunate time of the Crusades, which has left a bad taste. But um, modern communications, plus economic and political issues, are focusing attention on the great millions and billions of Muslims in the world today. So I see that as a one of the... Um, Significant changes is taking place. Uh, first of all, it was significant, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, about Jewish Christians getting together in dialogue for the first time in mm-hmm. ever, you might say, in, in a friendly way. So now we are embracing Muslims. And at Camp Brotherhood, in September, we have an elder hostel week, in which during that week we hope to have Jews and Christians uh, dialogue with the Muslims. And we're having another elder hostel week in October. So we are reaching out to, to Muslims, and I'm asking your cooperation as a Muslim in assistance. For example, we have a chapel at Camp Brotherhood, Brother Jamal, that um, has an altar that Rabbi Levine made for me that we use at Christian services, especially Catholic. He made it 40 years ago. We have also in that chapel a Torah that was given by Rabbi Levine. It's under lock and key to preserve it, but we often show it to people who come there. And we have other Jewish signs in it. But I would wonder, would you be willing to put a copy of the Koran on the other side of it so we could say we have a building where the three people meet? Uh, we're late, perhaps, in entering the dialogue with the Muslims, but it's better late than ever. So would you be willing to consider that? Oh, Father Tracy, uh, not only consider, I'd be honored and absolutely delighted to do that. And if I may repeat something which I've said many, many times in Prophet Muhammad's time in the 7th century, you know, he had his house just adjacent to the mosque. And in the 7th century, he used to have a lot of delegations of Jews and Christians visit him. And each time he would tell them, I beg you, please, do your services in the mosque, for it's simply a place consecrated to God. So the interfaith chapel in Camp Brotherhood is simply, in the same spirit, a place consecrated to God. What I like very much I want to ask you about is this particular idea that words and concepts have such a deep impact on our thinking and way of being. What am I talking about? The usage of this term, we normally say, the Judeo-Christian tradition. And I know that you've started to expand that to make it more complete in every possible way. When you say Judaic, Christian, Islamic tradition. Sure. Not, not as a favor, but because it is more appropriate, more correct, and true. Well, I think it's it's a step, for me, it's the beginning of a step with an important branch of the human family. But I want to not just make it three. I want to bring the Hindus, the Muslims in. We had three people from India up there the other day with a professor of genealogy. Mm-hmm. And, and I learned a lot about genealogy, one of the oldest religions in the world. So I would like to keep in contact with them. We had a, a, a Hindu um, uh, a newspaper editor who spoke also. So... I, when I tell the people like that who come up here, Camp Brotherhood is your home, mm-hmm. whether you're Muslim, Jew, Hindu, Buddhist, whatever. So I, I do welcome, because it, it's a crisis that we have to enter into dialogue with the Muslims at the present time, because political factors, economic factors are entering into it. That's making the division more acute than it has to be. But I do feel that mm, we have to make progress with um, Hindus and... and uh, 
and uh, Buddhists also. Absolutely. I, I absolutely agree. I, I really pray the day will come in Camp Brotherhood, other places also, as it is happening, that we go beyond the Abrahamic traditions. Yes. But what I was really asking was in the usage of that term, that idiom, Judeo-Christian tradition, I think it's historically and spiritually more correct to say that it is a Judeo-Christian Islamic tradition when talking about the Abrahamic faith. Well, <clears throat> soon when you come to Camp Brother, you're going to see a symbol of what Camp Brother is about. We had the Northwest sculptors there at uh -huh. Monticle, and one of them found a stone the size of a football on the grounds. And it was as smooth as could be, as smooth as an egg, so to speak. And they, one of them who knows something about uh, archaeology told me it was probably rolling around in rivers for thousands of years till the edges were knocked off and it's that smooth. So we're going to put it on a plaque at Camp Brotherhood. It's a symbol of the camp that when people come together from different religions, different races, and rub shoulders with each other, take meals with each other, dialogue with each other, we establish harmonious relations. Yes. That's, yes. that's what we try to do with all the religions. We will welcome all of them because they're all members of the human family. And we're, that's a new vision that is coming up, mm -hmm. you see. And I think part of it is we have to get rid of the idea of religious superiority mm -hmm. and realize we're all just members of the one family and we're called to walk different paths for some reason. Brother Tracy, if I may jokingly say it, but also I mean it from my heart, you sound like a true Muslim. <laughs> <laughs> As one who's truly surrendered to God. Uh, well, and of course, one who knows the Quran uh, knows that that's exactly what the Quran says. It doesn't mean that Muslims practice it. I have a personal question for you, if I may ask uh, you. Mm. Uh, what in your life, was it an epiphany that, you know, what the Quran says, you brought a heart turned in devotion to God? Uh, you know, in Islam we say you have two veils, health and wealth. Some drastic things happen. It really transforms your life. Well, what was it for you? I would say that <clears throat> I never prepared myself as a priest to, to get in interfaith work. I mean, it wasn't considered in the Catholic Church at that time. But by circumstances, there was something prior to my time on television that most people don't know about. But uh, a gentleman joined the Catholic Church and he said to me, I was raised a, a non-Catholic in Seattle and I heard all these negative things about the Catholic Church. He said, I have a business and we advertise. Why doesn't the Catholic Church just spell out what it believes? Not trying to change anybody, but say, this is who we are. So I thought that was a great idea, but didn't think I could do anything about it. But he succeeded in raising money for a program that put a newspaper ad in 16 major newspapers in the state of Washington every week. And again, the Archbishop assigned me to be the director of it. So from that experience, Brother Jamal, I learned how people were seeking, how they wanted to know. Like one 85-year-old woman wrote to me and said, um, I'm a Methodist, I'm 85, before I die, I'd like to know what Catholics believe. Now, that, th th these were experiences for me that revealed the hearts and thoughts of those that, you know, I didn't, specifically addressed in the past so that was the beginning and then work on television carried me much further into the need to promote i've changed the word that perhaps i used in the beginning of unity i talk now about religious harmony mm -hmm. between people so as i say both these events have, have convinced me that the key to religion is promoting unity and harmony in the human family and if I may just end by saying that uh, in Islam also the main message of the Quran besides compassion is Tawheed, which is unity. Uh, underlying everything, God, creation, is unity. 
I, I agree with that. That uh, <clears throat> somebody said was this um, uh, Roger Schutz of Teze uh, Monastery said, uh, "True religion is seeking the God hidden in the hearts of other people." Mm. Beautiful, beautiful, and, and, and that's that's what beautiful. dialogue is really is seeking that how God is perhaps buried. You may have to look for it, as she said, buried in the heart of somebody and and entering into helping them discover who they are, because we are made in that image and stamped with that image of God in all of us. Amen. Amen. You're listening to Interfaith Talk Radio on Alternative Talk, eleven fifty a.m. streaming at interfaithtalkradio.com the three of us a rabbi, a Muslim minister and a Protestant minister are talking with Father William Tracy one of the stars of what has become a deepening interfaith dialogue in the Pacific Northwest when we come back we'll be looking with Father Tracy at What's gotten worse and what's gotten better in terms of interfaith dialogue and interfaith relationships in the years that he has experienced them? This is Interfaith Talk Radio. We'll be right back. for everyone, any race, religion, gender, and age, anyone that wants to know more about who we are, why we're here, and how the universe works. A wide and varied range of people with different backgrounds are drawn to HUNA and attend the biannual HUNA workshop. Healthcare professionals, therapists, lawyers, managers, educators, professional athletes, college students, and people just like you. If you're interested in a more spiritual view of the world, if you want to connect more with who you are and discover a whole new universe around you, then HUNA is for you. Call 800-800-MIND or go to HUNA.com and learn about the September 9th through the 17th HUNA event in Kona, Hawaii. Mention the Dr. Pat Show and receive a special discount. Are you ready to kick your life up a notch? Tired of just surviving? The award-winning Dr. Pat Show, Talk Radio to Thrive By, is your way to living the life you want without regrets, without limitations. This empowering, inspirational show with dynamic host Dr. Pat Basili will leave you shouting, yes, I can. Dr. Pat is a master career and belief coach, dynamic seminar leader, and creator of Crustbusting. Listen to the Dr. Pat Show on AM 1150 KKNW, Monday through Friday, 11 to noon, and worldwide on www.thedrpatshow.com. Commonly known as NICO, Northwest Interfaith Community Outreach traces its history to the first anniversary of 9-11. Committed to promoting interfaith dialogue and understanding, its purpose is captured in its mission statement. Celebrating spirit through interfaith collaboration and compassionate works of justice in the world. For information on how to get involved, go to interfaithtalkradio.com and click on NICO. Church of Christ wants you to know about the God is Still Speaking campaign, a national effort to let everyone know that this denomination welcomes everyone, no matter what, to the worship of God and the service of the church. We believe that God has much, much more to tell us about the good news of the gospel of Jesus and about what love can do to help us with this beautiful but troubled world. To find out more, log on to www.ucc.org slash index.php. We wish you blessings for your life. 
You already have the tools you need to live a psychic life, but you don't know how to use them. Let noted medium John Holland show you how during his new 2006 lecture tour. Learn to awaken your psychic strengths. John will help you identify your intuitive gifts through highly interactive exercises. Plus, he will dedicate Friday evening to delivering messages to the audience. See John Holland in Seattle on September 8th through the 9th. For tickets, call 800 654 5126. That's 800-654-5126. Or visit hayhouse.com. That's H-A-Y-House.com. More choices, more topics, more shows. One station. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And welcome back to Interfaith Talk Radio on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. You can find us on the Internet at interfaithtalkradio.com. We are a rabbi, a Muslim minister, and a Protestant minister, and I am Rabbi Ted Falcon. Uh, I'm um, Brother Jamal Rahman. And I am Pastor Don McKenzie. And we are here today with Father William Tracy and talking about both the history as well as the present and the future of interfaith dialogue, interfaith relationships, interfaith spirituality, and interfaith possibilities. And in... In the course of your experience, Father Bill, we were wondering, what have you seen that's gotten better? Um, well, first of all, we're reaching out to the Muslims. I have um, great expectations that we can develop a good relationship with them, which is significant. There's um, about uh, July, a newspaper in Indonesia, Muslim, came to Camp Brotherhood to see what we're doing in the way of interfaith relations. They want to go back and write an article on the fact that there are re different religions coming together. So to set a kind of a model for them. So that, that's the exciting thing for them. And, and um, we had people from Kashmir, India here at Camp Brotherhood recently uh, where there's so much religious divisions between Hindus and Muslims to see what we're doing. So Camp Brotherhood in its own little small way is sending a light across the world. That's one of the exciting things that I see. We've started out concentrating on the Northwest, and of course we're still going to concentrate on, on ministering to people in the Northwest. But we're also sending a message far, far beyond the Northwest, and, and that is amazing to me, but pleases me very much. That's great. And have you seen people, the, have you seen the dialogue be more fluent since the time when you started like you started on the television show on como is it easier now to have discussions about theological differences or um philosophical differences than it was then well i think we looking from my personal perspective i can remember the first time i spoke in the synagogue was 1966 and this, I came out, there were 900 people there that evening, the rabbi told me, uh, Rabbi Levine. And this 92-year-old woman said to me, I thank God I've lived to see the day that a priest could speak in our synagogue. Now, there was an excitement abroad that time. Um, I can remember one of the greatest challenges I think I faced was to be invited to this conservative synagogue one evening to speak after service. Uh, there was a rabbi, Corson was the same name as one of the member the TV panelists. And uh, he spoke to me just before I got up to speak. He said, look out at the audience here. 
I can assure you, every person sitting in front of you has either lost a family member or a friend in the concentration camps. And so they, they consider Christians should have spoken up more, so take it from there. Mm. Now, that, that's the challenge, but I welcome challenges like that because it's the beginning. It may be painful, but it's the beginning of healing. So I feel that there was a tremendous excitement at that time, and, and it has cooled off a little bit. I remember putting on the first interfaith service in the Opera House in 1965. 5,000 people showed up for it. There was wow. enthusiasm. We're going to go places. And then, unfortunately, something happened, and it has settled down to a more mundane uh, step. And maybe that's part of life. We need to put new life into it. And that, perhaps you can help me or the audience can help us. What should we be doing that we're not doing? Yeah, it's interesting in terms of a counterpoint because a few years ago, I was the first rabbi to speak at a Catholic service here in town at St. Pat, St. Patrick Church in um, Capitol Hill. In Capitol Hill, which was very exciting, and it happened to be on Holocaust Memorial Day. So well, after the service, after the talk, we went downstairs and sat in a circle and just talked about the reality of being together at such a moment in a Catholic church being able to talk. I like to tell you, uh, I hope I won't appear egotistic, the ground was prepared for you at St. Patrick's because I was pastor there and that's where I was when Rabbi Levine met an altar for me and attended services and spoke at St. Patrick's and put on the first seder for it. So you're to blame. <laughs> I'm to blame. <laughs> I, I suspected that all along. <clears throat> so if anybody wants to join from our listening audience in this dialogue, you're welcome to call in at 425-373-5527. Otherwise, we've got plenty of questions, and I imagine plenty of answers to last the hour and more. We talk about what's changed and what's gotten better what do you see that's gotten worse in terms of the interfaith dialogue? I think our politics, uh, Rabbi, has entered in again into the uh, political arena where people pick subjects, whether it's gay marriage or uh, um, flag burning or something like that, that will appeal to voters rather than trying to look at the broader issues of where religion can bring us together. Uh, it, it's using religion somewhat as a wedge to divide and they bring people over to your side. And the Catholics have done it to some extent, too, in regard to Kerry um, not being welcome to go to communion because of some of his views. So, But the majority of the bishops are opposed to that approach. It, people have to make their own decisions according to their own conscience and not, not use a religion as a stick to beat them and say, you go our way. Now, there's been some of that in, in, in religion, and, I, I'm, and that's disappointing to me. As always, it's the... Like the dramatic voices get the airwaves. That's so right. those who are particularly antagonistic, those who are particularly angry, those who are particularly shouting, those are the ones who wind up getting airtime. And it's much less dramatic for those of us who are entering into a more heartful, mm. spiritual dialogue. Uh, we were recently contacted by a reporter in uh, NPR. And what she kept wanting to know about my relationship with Jamal was about the fights we had when we were first started to talk to each other. And she was very dismayed and disappointed when I could not come up with any battles. Mm -hmm. It's not that we agree on everything. It's just 
we didn't start there. That isn't the nature of the relationship. And and boy, it's almost too bad because a little bit of that juice, some pictures in the newspaper, maybe I hit Jamal over the head with a chair at a restaurant <laughs> and our really the airwaves would be teeming we'd be manifesting all kinds of phone calls about I mean, my turban protects me yeah <laughs> there you go well that's where the news you see is some negative i listened to it today in a certain station here in seattle first 10 minutes were shootings killings all the negative things a lot of great things going on in seattle mm. probably today but we didn't hear about those but um when we started television um there was we met a need because people said after centuries of, of alienation from each other and negative attitudes, to see you talking together, even if you just talk about the weather, it makes us feel good. So I understand the three of you, what you're doing, and I'm very proud of what you're doing together. You. You've been to Israel together on a trip, and you work in a book together, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. I think that's exactly what is needed. You know, there's two ways, Rabbi, that, that growth takes place. And, and a priest friend of mine pointed out recently, you look at a tree, Part of the tree goes down to the earth, into the darkness. And the main tree goes up mm. to the light. So even though we may not be getting the publicity, yet what you're doing in the entering into this program, this dialogue, and what you're writing is, is producing life. It's like the, the roots going down to Thank the you. ground of the tree. It's going to produce good results over time. So I congratulate the three of you. Thank you. I really, I really appreciate that. I was wondering what you perceive as the directions of the interfaith dialogue for the future like what are the issues that you think have not been significantly addressed that well, need to be i think it would tie in what i said today when you look at the news you know there's a house that i used to spend every sunday evening in seattle twenty one twelve east republican when i first came here with some other priests because they were friends of mine that's the house that six young people were shot in Mm. recently I, I, I just get shivers when I think of that house and bullets flying all over the place and mm -hmm. wiped, lives being wiped out so what we need is reverence for life respect for human beings um, on, on uh, 60 Minutes on Sunday night last Sunday it told the story of 12 paramedics from New York who went out to Pakistan in the wake of the uh, um, earthquake when the media turned its back on it so they went out and they found thousands and thousands of people homeless, helpless, needing help, food, medicine, everything. They did more for the spirit of America as well as for people by that time that they spent in Pakistan than is possible. It, it was an answer. It's not for war you win people. These people never met Americans before. So they said to this um, uh, young medic, they're beautiful, they're cooperative, they're handsome. Mm. But they came to know America a different way. So that's why I think what, what is needed. And, and, um, and if we go back to the Declaration of Independence, that we're all endowed with the right to life and what life involves. There food, education, medical care, and so on. I see, and this professor, a uh, newspaper person from India who was here last week, said the same thing to me. There's a movement in the religions, not to get involved in theological disputes about things, but take the human being. We can find that a human being has a dignity, a basic dignity. He has rights that nobody gave him, but some power beyond him. The state didn't give it. The state gave him rights that could take it away. So we're coming to that conclusion. 
And therefore, we have to unite our efforts uh, to, to work on individual. I'll tell you briefly uh, a story. In India, they have read this life of Christ, Hindus, Muslims, and Christians. And they said, what would Jesus do if he was in our town? So they meet once a month to discover who are the lepers, who are the outcasts, who are the people needing cure, needing help today. That's where I see people moving mm. into the importance of the individual. Great. I, I, all of us appreciate your words. All of us appreciate your insights, Father Tracy. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to look at why has the impetus, why has the energy of interfaith communication and congregation ended as it's built up, and how do we find the vision of what might be? This is Interfaith Talk Radio. We'll be back in a minute. Time Magazine says NLP has untapped potential for treating individual problems and is becoming an all-purpose self-improvement program and technology. Come experience NLP for yourself at the Empowerment Partnerships Accelerated NLP Practitioner Training in Seattle, Washington, October 8th through the 14th. Since 1982, the Empowerment Partnership has taught thousands of people like you create critical transformations in areas that count most. Relationships, health, wealth, and state of mind. If you want to increase your creative energy, get control of your life, and enjoy new levels of existence, call 1-800-800-MIND. That's 1-800-800-MIND. Or go to NLP.com. That's NLP.com. Mention the Dr. Pat Show when you call to receive a special discount. You already have the tools you need to live a psychic life, but you don't know how to use them. Let noted medium John Holland show you how during his new 2006 lecture tour. Learn to awaken your psychic strengths. John will help you identify your intuitive gifts through highly interactive exercises. Plus, he will dedicate Friday evening to delivering messages to the audience. See John Holland in Seattle on September 8th through the 9th. For tickets, call 800 654 5126. That's 800 654 5126. Or visit hayhouse.com. That's H A Y house.com. NCD, a new oral detoxification product that reduces the effects of environmental toxicity and can help millions across the globe. Natural Cellular Defense is an effective oral detoxifier, a tool in the fight against toxicity. Join our Copious Health team to raise awareness about environmental toxicity and this safe new product. Go to copioushealth.com or call 206-423-6596. That's 206-423-6596. CopiousHealth.com. Occasional indigestion got you down? After meals, do you feel bloated, heavy, tummy hurt? Does occasional heartburn and indigestion or a just plain tired feeling take the energy out of your day? Vital digestive enzymes are needed to properly digest food and E12 provides them all. Customers often report a dramatic life improvement. Call 1-866-NO-BLOAT. That's 1-866-NO-BLOAT. And discover E12 food enzymes that digestive secret thousands have benefited from. Unity of Bellevue is an inclusive community for spiritual growth, where all are valued, where positive attitudes are developed, where spiritual laws of life are taught, where consciousness is cultivated, where self-awareness is enhanced, and where the bonds of fellowship are enriched. Join us for our Sunday celebrations on Bellevue's east side. Visit our website at www.unityofbellevue.org. Surprised at 
people who come to a Unity Church feel like they've come home. We invite you to one of the many great Puget Sound Unity Churches in Bellevue, Edgewood, Kent, Linwood, Seattle, or Woodenville. For links to these Unity Churches and others, visit unity.org. We welcome you to join us at Unity of Woodenville. Visit unityofwoodenville.org. 1150kknw.com Your connection to Alternative Talk 1150 AM And we're back with you on Interfaith Talk Radio being brought to you by Dr. Pat Worldwide on Alternative Talk 1150 AM You can find us on the internet at interfaithtalkradio.com and we are about to re-enter our conversation with Father William Tracy I did want to mention to you that my community, Beit Aleph Meditative Synagogue, is celebrating its Bar Mitzvah, its 13th year. And a whole bunch of people, in fact, the whole congregation is going to be called up to the Torah this coming Saturday at 4.30. We meet at Unity of Bellevue. And you can find out about it by going to jewishspiritualcommunity.com. And if people would like to get an idea of what a meditative synagogue is about, we welcome you. We are looking at why interfaith adventures have tended to peter out. You know, Father Bill, you were mentioning that there was a time when great crowds were attracted uh, to the opera house, and then it kind of fell apart. Even in the 13 years that I've been in Seattle and involved in interfaith, I've watched several times different configurations of interfaith groups kind of get together to do something, imagining that they are building something of consequence, and then the energy kind of dissolves. I think we need to go back to our very roots. And, and like the bishops have made what we call the Vatican Council said, the working for unity is one of the primary objectives, should be one of the primary objectives of the church. So two things are happening that give me hope. Uh, one is at Notre Dame University, one of our leading Catholic universities. Seventy percent of the students there are involved in community services. Undergraduates, 20% give about two years to community service after they graduate. Now, here's a new awareness that education isn't just to go ahead and make a living. It's, it's community-oriented. Now, with that, we need to stress, uh, both from grade school, high school, and so on, uh, the importance of working for unity. It's not just a, a peripheral thing, which unfortunately a lot of pastors, even in the Catholic Church, I have to admit, because they're bogged down with a shortage of personnel and so on, that they figure that's something I just don't have, can't get to. But it has to be put on, on the front burner, so to speak, as this is what our religion is about, is to promote unity. So um, I was at the Holocaust uh, Memorial at Mercer Island in May, and I was very pleased to see that one of the Catholic schools is recognized for its work in studying the Holocaust. Uh, that was uh, St. Luke's School here in Seattle, where mm. the teacher took them back to Washington, D.C. to um, to take a tour of the, Hol the museum, the Holocaust Museum there. And secondly, I, there was a group of teachers at Camp Brotherhood the other day from all over the United States. So they invited me to join them to watch a, uh, a video called Paper Clips. Have you heard of it? Mm -hmm. 
Paper Clips is a story of a school down in Tennessee, I believe. But the 7th and 8th graders started studying the Holocaust. And got so interested in it and listening to outside speakers. That with the help of the outside speakers, they brought one of the cars that found it in a siding in Germany. just to take the Jews to the concentration camps. So they brought it over from Germany. And they have it down in this little town as a way of educating the people. That's the kind of exciting new approach we need to, to people, to what they did. So there's a few little points of light, so to speak, that I see that give me hope for the future. And one of the things you mentioned when you say working together for unity, part of it is utilizing our energies, our walking our spiritual energies into the world. So I think pro, uh, projects like the Interfaith Habitat for Humanity builds yes. are, are among the ways of building a bigger project. It's not just about talking to each other. Exactly. It's not just about learning about each other. It's about joining forces in creating a greater healing That's right. within ourselves, between ourselves, and within our communities. You know, I, I, I just wonder, I have an intuition, Father Bill, I wonder if you could comment that the, the great response to what you did on the, on the TV show and the other parts of your ministry I think reaches to something that every human being desires, that is, a kind of healing and wholeness, ability to cooperate, and so forth. And yet, our lives are so, especially in an urban setting like this, they're so chaotic, so noisy, so consumed by the trivia and the activities of daily living, that we find it very easy to be distracted to lose focus and so forth. And you found with uh, Rabbi Levine and, and the others that were on the show that your relationship carried you. And and the sense of that relationship, I think, was probably one of the key factors in keeping your audience going for 14 years. I mean, what what an incredible achievement. We have found the same thing, I think, for us, that, that our relationship keeps us going in spite of the fact that we do things, they, they rise, they fall, and so forth. Uh, we have found that that not only, well, not only our relationship, but the support we have received from our congregations. Um, has has been a has been a factor that keeps us going and we're continually looking for ways to 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 energize the process and to give other people energy too well all i can say is you keep up the good work <clears throat> as uh, you're being kind very kind to call me the grandfather of the ecumenical movement but i have been involved in it. it's very close to my heart and i'm uh living at camp brotherhood now which we're celebrating our 40th anniversary and to know that it's spreading internationally, what we're trying to do there, makes me very, very happy. One thing you mentioned um, is about peace, the need for peace. So many people have told me that Camp Brotherhood has a peace about it. Um, we had a Quaker up there who carved a statue of St. Francis for me. Uh, he said the peace that comes from that place is only he only found in Assisi. Mm. So uh, we keep it cattle there we keep it open for people and and uh, keep it as 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 good a setting as we can so that god can speak to them yeah i remember one time some years ago sitting in one of the side dining halls which has windows looking out at the hills and the mm -hmm. trees and the sky and i remember father bill you turning to the group indicating the beauty outside and saying God is speaking to us now. 
I, 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 just, I just want to make a comment, you know, for, for each one of us, of course, interfaith is a passion. Uh, but the comment I wanted to make was, it's not a concept or an intellectual exercise. It's really a way of being. Absolutely. It's really a way of being. What do you do in your personal life that would be an inspiration to those who are listening? Great. And this that exemplifies a way of being that is interfaith. Mm -hmm. And this fits, fits right into the way we've been ending the show lately with asking either one of us, or in this case you, to share some spiritual practice that our listeners might learn from. Well, there's a great spiritual leader in the Catholic Church who died in 1963, Thomas Mertens. Mm. And his spirituality was based on nature. And I think I'm inclining to follow him. I find God very much in nature. As I said to you that day, Yes, God is speaking to you through nature. Sometimes I tell the people who come up there, especially young people, I have a Bible for you. Free copy. You can use it while you're here. And they think, oh, is he trying to make a Catholic out of us? <laughs> and I tell him, no. Before any Jewish writer wrote the Bible, God was telling us who God was. Through the sunrise and the sunsets, through the seasons, through the oceans, through the flowers and through the trees, through the animals. So when you're here, we have cattle on the grounds, we have flowers, we've got acres and acres of trees. So come find God in, in nature. And, and so for me, to take time to, to um, commune with God in nature is, is where I'm coming from. Watching the swallows building their nests is another way of doing it. Or, uh, for example, the chapel at Camp Brotherhood, I asked the architect to design it so the whole window opens up to, to the trees and to the to hills in the right. distance that speak of God. You can find them inside and outside. When, in your private contemplation, is there a Bible verse that comes to mind that particularly helps you remember? The heavens and the earth are full of the glory of mm. God. Mm. So I keep looking for a friend of mine, Hans Kung, well, I call him a friend. He was here with me in Seattle. The last thing he does at night, Rabbi, he goes out on his deck where he lives, and he looks up at the sky to see God. And Jim Irwin, who slept on the moon for two nights, one of the astronauts, dialogued with me one evening, and he said it changed him so much, and that's where he found God was in the heavens mm -hmm. on the way back. Yeah, in, the, in the Quran, there's a verse which says, Everything in the heavens, in the earth, and all in between extols the limitless glory of God. And how beautiful that is through nature. That's great. We'd like to express our thanks, Father Tracy, for your open-hearted generosity, the way you've shared yourself with our entire community for all these years, and hopefully for many more for the delightful way you've been willing to come and share this hour with us and with our listeners. We benefit from the richness of your experience and from the abundance of your teachings. And we'd like to let our listeners know that next week at this time, we'll be on 5 o'clock, will be the 5th anniversary of 9-11. So we'll be kind of looking at some of the memories that that anniversary calls to mind and focusing on the topic of forgiveness. Forgiveness of self, forgiveness of other, and forgiveness that leads to a deeper peace. This is Interfaith Talk Radio. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>